This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupans, and I say this all the time, Chris, I saw it with mine own eyes. I was actually at the Zupans in Lake Grove as they were setting up the Ruby Jewel cart. It was pretty sweet. And you saw it with your own mouth, too. Oh, I did, yeah. Those ice cream sandwiches, which is uh, what Ruby Jewel is. They're known for a lot of great things, but this ice cream sandwiches is definitely top of that list. Every night this summer from 2 to 9, Stop on by and get one of those Ruby Jewel sandwiches. It'll be the best decision you ever make in your life. And that's at the Lake Grove store in Lake Oswego. And um, I can concur with that. We've actually had Lisa from Ruby Jewel on here, so you can listen to the podcast and find out what she's serving there. It's great stuff. So I agree with that. For those of you who are gluten-free, and there are a lot of you out there, uh, now at Zupan's, their bakery department is carrying New Cascadia traditional gluten-free breads. Uh, so they're founded in 2006, and they have rustic breads, sandwich loaves, bagels, buns, and more. For all of you folks always asking, is it gluten-free, Zupan's is. And for those of you who might be a little bit teary-eyed that the uh, heat wave cut the strawberry season a little short, don't worry. Zupan's Produce Department, they've always got brand new stuff coming in. And right now, some are favorites like blueberries, raspberries, blackberries. It's so good to go to Zupan's. And the other thing I'll say is we get a little tired in the summer. Go there and get all their prepared foods and their pokey bar right now. There's nothing better than nice cold pokey to enjoy in the summer. So Zupan's Markets, three locations, Burnside, Lake Grove, and McAdam. And, of course, Zupan's.com. Once again, it's another classic Right at the Fork episode brought to you by Ristretto Roasters, locally roasted since 2005. I was looking at their website just moments ago, saw that the Columbia El Parizo blend is back by demand. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, so go to one of their five locations and get a bag to go or go to their website, which is rrpdx.com. As you do that, grab a delicious cup of Ristretto coffee and listen to this classic interview of Leather Stores of Noble Rot. We're going back to 2015 on this one. Episode 57, if you want to be exact. Leather, easily one of my favorite interviews. He's one of those guys that uh, just tells you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is, which is great. It's honesty. Gotta love that. So here it is, that interview between Chris Angelus and Leather Stores. It's a classic episode of Right at the Fork. So are you common collected now? You had a little... And by the way, it's a chef's life, right? I think it is, yeah. Crisis after crisis. You know. So you're all set. I'm ready. That's radio. Good. Why don't you? Now uh, um, we're back. We're back. Yeah. No, we don't. Do, <laughs> we're not really doing that here. But it's good to have you here, and it's good. I have to say. So uh, you've been doing this a long time. Not this, but cooking, and you've been in the in the restaurant industry a long time. Right. I've been doing what I do for a little while, and I'm really happy that this year you and I got to know each other, and we're getting to know each other better. We're going to be doing some things going down the road. And that's cool. You're fun to work with. Thanks. That's why I thought it'd be awesome to have you in here, even though you, you, you're you now a professional. Right? Are we recording consider- right now? Yeah, we're recording. How exciting. This is yeah, very casual. It, it's unlike our show. It's, it's a little very, more regimented. It's, it's com- There's no regiment to this Good. whatsoever. I prefer. We I'm were calm recording already. right for, We probably can put, we can probably have the moment that you walked in with your gum. 
I no go. I didn't. I know better now. It's the AM crew. I don't bring any gum in the morning. I know. I just bring my gum in the afternoon and stash it in various. Strips. What kind of gum do you chew? What's the gum? Uh, I gum prefer to chew the green Eclipse, but they don't carry that at Cash and Carry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so instead, I chew Dentine Ice, which what I can buy in one of those big bricks. Mm-hmm. And charge the restaurant. Don't tell the IRS. Okay. Well, I'm not. I'm not telling them anything. Yeah. I'm not telling. We're not saying anything to anyone right now. That is a, a bid to uh, to eliminate the cigarette cravings. So, Which, can you describe the Eclipse experience the way you would wine? Can you tell tell us about the notes and the? I think the, what I prefer is it's a little bit of a shinier mint, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit more of a clear spearmint flavor, and the snap of the <laughs> hard plastic shell on the Eclipse is far superior to the Dentine Ice, which can can on occasion, even in its own hermetically sealed package, get a little soft, a little like chiclety in a way that I don't like. I like it when it yeah. cracks. And I, you mentioned chiclets. <coughs> I haven't had those since I was a kid. Those were just too small. You needed to do three of those. Which is what I do with the Eclipse, which is why I should buy, I buy in bulk. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> there's, your, uh, there's your restaurant suggestions from uh, leather stores this I'm morning. Sorry. We're done. Buy <laughs> Eclipse in bulk. So, uh... So, again, good to have you here. You um, you do something really cool, which is you have your garden on top of the building. That's right. Noble Rot. And you've been doing that for quite some time. Yep. And it, I've noticed that I've gotten some press releases that other places are starting to do more of that. You know, right. you got Damien out there with his, his bees on top of... Uh, some of the buildings in Portland, Which is and now super you've got cool, more yeah. gardens. So, how long have you been doing? How long have you had the garden up there? Our garden and- has been there for, gosh, seven years, and uh, it, it initially started with just the eco roof, which was on the east and west end of the building, and then we had five uh, rolled steel beds that were lifted up there by crane. Uh, I was there when that happened. It was scary. At one point, the crane lifted uh, with one of those beds. They're extremely heavy, and they stub right into the roof. But that was just not enough dirt. Uh, you know, we would we would have a little something, and then we'd be offline for three weeks, and we really wanted to have something that we could sustain and offer on our menu at a reasonable volume, you know, so that we could say that we were growing more than and the, be, the time sprig that's sitting on top of your lamb. And not be out of it. Yeah, and so we, we added uh, kiddie pools, those plastic ubiquitous kiddie pools you find at Dirty Fred's uh, starting, you know, in June. Mm-hmm. And at one point we had 50 of those. But I started to get kind of nervous about the plastic and what, what was happening with the plastic and its interface with the dirt. And it looked a little, you know, east side front porch to my taste. Mm-hmm. And uh, despite this that I- This is coming from a, a guy, guy with an east in Dunthorpe. <laughs> right. But it quickly moved to the east side. <clears throat> I, uh, I got over my west side fixation as quickly as I could. And I, I'm ashamed of it. And I'm, I'm sorry you brought it up. But uh, I do have one of those awful uh, east side I porches. More, I got more shameful ideas. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, so we, we, uh, we were up to speed on volume with the, with the 50 kiddie pools, and we were really making a, a reasonable and, and generous contribution to the food. Uh, and then we switched those out, and now we have rectangular beds that have a, a pond liner stapled into them for organic aquatics. And everything we do up there is organic, and it's it's a lot prettier. Uh, and, and we're really happy with it. This year has been astronomical. I mean, we're ripening eggplants and peppers starting starting a month ago. Uh, we have Charente melons, which, you know, we plant and then cross our fingers. This year, we'll probably see ripe melons within a week. 
And um, I mean, part of me is elated and the other part of me is, you know, worried about what happens next year when we're going to all we're going to be growing our cactus pears up there. Well, yeah. That's, so, I mean, we're, yeah, you're not the only one who's thinking that we're but. very proud of our garden. So Noble Rot, to me, has a number of distinguishing features going for it. It's got it's got that the garden upstairs. Mm-hmm. You're known for your wine, right? That's the fir- first time I ever experienced Noble Rod. I was out with a woman who really knew her wine. Any it doesn't take much to know it more than I do, but that was where she wanted to go because of the wine selection and uh, the view is incredible, right? right? It's one of the it, you, it's hard to beat. You're on the east side looking at what you. It's like having the. Uh, you know, the nice house in the neighborhood with the shitty house next door. And that guy with the nice house who takes all this, all the trouble has to look at the, the crappy house. The <laughs> other guy gets the view. But you're looking at downtown. And then it's got you. You're quite a personality unto yourself. And, you know, interesting how we, I had run into you. You don't do a lot of events. No. Right? And I want to talk about that a little bit. But, you don't. I met you once, I think, at Feast. Just mm-hmm. a hello. Mm-hmm. And then I was really impressed with the writing that you're doing for Go Local. Uh, every time your column comes up, I find it really interesting. And, uh, and it's good read, and you're a great writer. You don't see a lot of that around. There are a lot of <laughs> blogs without a lot of great writing. And uh, so that's how we met. I contacted you and said, hey, man, this is pretty cool. You're you did. I was very uh, un- it's hard when you're uh, older, and or and as we are, you know, in forties and I'll, I'll 50s. take that. I'll take your category. And uh, I, what <laughs> I find is it becomes harder to make friends, you know, especially same-sex friends. And you, you were very uh, authentic. You reached out to me on Facebook, and I, uh, to, to be honest, I, I wasn't quite sure. I knew your name because I, I know you're uh, all over the place, but I didn't. I wasn't able to sort of to understand you, but you were very genuine and very kind in your praise. And I was, I was, I was taken aback and I was, um, uh, uh, grateful. And so I wanted to respond to you. So I, I did because I, I love to write. Uh, sometimes I think I do a, a reasonable job and I, I'd like to in, inject a little bit of humor and levity in food writing. I don't think it's important, uh, or valuable to take yourself or your subject too seriously. So I, I'm hoping that's what resonated with you. Oh, it did. It's and again, I thought it was real and authentic, and topics that I thought were interesting. And you know, with all the crap out there, right? It's you want to acknowledge that which is worth reading. I mean, we spent those of us who spend too much time on Facebook and in social media. There's so much crap to read and lists and so forth. So, on something, you take some time and read it, and it makes you think. And it's about Portland, and it's about the food scene. There's not a lot of that, other than some reviews. But most, a lot of blogs are fine, but they don't go into issues the way you've gone into issues. So. I, that's kind of my that's kind of my angle. I, I don't I don't go out very much in this town, so I I can't speak uh, knowingly about the scene, and uh, I'm too old to do that anyway. I got kids, and I I have other things in which I'm interested in. So that's try to kind of where I I plant my flag. Is let's talk about the, the politics of food. It's it's become increasingly attached to fundamental politics in our country, whether or not it's water or pesticides or scarcity or uh, meat safety, you know, all of these things, or, or school lunches or disparity between income levels. You know, all of those things have bled into popular culture and to the regular 
political discussion in such a way as to as to make food an increasingly interesting sphere. And we're hitting a we're coming to an interesting point in Portland because you know ten years ago it just really started to blossom here ten fifteen years that's arguable when it all started but now we're coming to a point where uh, where it's not all about the art. And it's not all of, it's it's not so much incubation, but it's maturity. And where do we go with wages? And where do we go with models? And now uh, rents are increasing, so the pressure's on. Chefs a little more to do more things. So there are a lot of issues that are all of a sudden coming to the forefront, other than the the political issues and the uh, what's going on with food itself that are happening in portland right now it's, it's really a rough market <laughs> is it a rough market to, it you is. Know, here's something that's interesting and let me just go there now you had said you're a little removed you you implied you're a little removed from the food community yes right so you're not it's a collaborative community where people are doing events and doing things together you're, you're not doing that and we just joked the other day and i don't mean to br- shed light on this but uh you know the uh oregonian came out with their top 101 and you said you wrote, I think you wrote Michael Russell I and did, wanted yeah. to see if you, it was okay if you claimed the number one, number 102 slot. Yeah, and he there. didn't respond, so I'm assuming the answer is no. <laughs> but I'd like to think we're in the hundreds. I would like to, I, well, I'd like to, I think you're, uh, as far as food experiences and restaurants, you have to be in the top 100. However, no critic, it's a hard list to put together in Portland. You know, they're all, you got to mix the new with the old. Yeah. But the older are kind of forgotten here. I think, and the places like Park Kitchen, right? They're yeah. great restaurants, and they've stood the test of time, right? And Noble Rod has stood the test of time, and, you know, the Heathman, all these places are, they're not in the conversation. But you're also, I don't think you're, and this is no criticism, it's a choice, and you're well aware of it. You're, to be in the conversation, you almost need to be at events. I think, yeah, because that's where people see you and you're visible. It's it's Portland's form of food at marketing and advertising. Yeah, um, so and I think that's probably the reason you weren't on that list. You should have been, but there's so many places to think about that the folks who put those lists together are out at events and they're thinking about the people they see. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, and um, I think. When I'm feeling a little darker, I feel like I'm doing a disservice to our restaurant by not doing that. Because in not being included in those lists, I, I mean, I understand. I've made my bet. I've upset some people in the press, and I've certainly been puffy-chested uh, throughout uh, the arc of, of my culinary career here. And I, I'm at peace with the uh, kind of the uneven quality of, of my uh, presence on the food scene. And I know that it makes some people uneasy and uncomfortable, and I, I don't have much of a filter, so I find I get myself in trouble. But, but that's uh, refreshing out here. And, on, you know, those of us from East Coast and California, might f- that's not as much of a problem. But people in Portland, when you start speaking your mind and t- telling it like you think it is, yeah. that's, that's a little tough for people to swallow here. Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to prevent me. And I, I'm redoubling my efforts I say unfortunately. to unfortunately, get out there. Unfortunately, it doesn't prevent you. Well, okay, and and I suppose because we've been around for 12 years, we have a, a committed customer base, uh, and especially when it's sunny. You know, everybody wants to sit on our patio, but it's no fun to have a restaurant that's feast or famine where you're, you know, rocking and rolling for five months and then sitting on your hands for seven. 
And, uh, you know, that's the nature of the business. It's a fickle, mercurial business. And people, you know, you ha- you become a known commodity, and then it's like, well, yeah, tell me about Prem. Yeah, I want to know about those dudes who are painting plates and stacking shit on, the, on one side of the plate because that's what everybody's up to. And did, did you go forage that yourself? Because if you didn't, you know, I'm not all that interested. So I get it. I, I, I know what the scene's like, and I feel, I feel a certain mature comfort in, in our position. I would like, ultimately, for the people that work with me, uh, specifically our uh, Joseph Hickey, who is the chef de cuisine, and Joseph Osi, who is our manager, to have that validation because they work their asses off, you know, and they, do, they, they put out a consistent, excellent product, but whether it's the front or the back, and um, for us to be omitted from that list, I think in the kind of my heart of hearts that that's my fault. That's my fault, and it's dual-sided. It's A, not getting out there, and it's B, having made some bad decisions and having made some enemies. So uh, are we going to be able to change that? I hope so. I mean, but are there going to be another 100 restaurants opening in Portland this year? You know you know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe Russell can expand the list. But uh, I will never make the Willamette Week list. I can tell you that for a fact. And why is that? Oh, they're not. They don't like me over there. I, I've had some real run-ins with uh, Sizzy D and uh, uh, Zussman, uh, with whom I've actually buried the hatchet. And that was very refreshing and pleasant. I wrote a, a nasty letter to the editor because I, I felt that he did something that was where he took advantage of his position as a, as a critic. Uh, and 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 said something that he that he that was outlandish that he then did not defend, that in my mind was was libelous or slanderous whatever it is I'm not a lawyer, but he is, and uh, forgive me he's a judge and mm-hmm. I don't want to dredge this up because I I like him I think he's an excellent writer and I do feel very good about our resolution and honestly I don't think that uh, it the problem I have is with him I think it's more with the organization and with his editor. Uh, Sizzy D, who is also um, uh, a product of law school. And I felt like they, they needed to defend their argument. And so I wrote that, and I, I happened to uh, co-author it with my friend uh, Jim Huffman, who was the dean of the Lewis and Clark Law School. And so I felt that that carried a certain amount of gravity. And I believe that was embarrassing to them. <clears throat> and, uh, and so, you know, the, the way that sifted out is, is we talked a little bit, and it Sismar thought I was a dick, and, and he's right. Um, <laughs> but uh, ultimately, they got me back because they wrote about, you know, the top five uh, wine experiences, you know, and they kind of had to include us. It's, you know, had they not, it would have been a glaring omission. But the, I like to say that it was damning with faint praise. You know, it's basically they said, well, the view, they kind of have a view, but it's partially obstructed to the south and... You know, you can't really see one corner of the Fremont Bridge and, you know, go there and have... And that's, a, that's travesty, not being able to see that corner. Oh, I agree. It's, it's really what brings the bridge together. <laughs> I mean, because you can't have a parabola with a para, right? Whatever, and shit. Um, and, there, and there are only seven other bridges. Uh, uh, so, yeah. So then they wrote back and they're like, go there for the reasonable view, have house wine, and don't eat dinner and have an onion tart. All right, man. Thanks. <laughs> An onion tart. I remember that. I had that the first time I oh, went there. You that, got, are you tired of being known for the onion tart? Well, that, well whatever. I'm uh, at, at this point. I am grateful for uh, people liking us. 
For any reason. For any reason. I know with Aaron at St. Jack, he's often saying, my butter lettuce salad, that's what people talk Which about. Which is extraordinary. And now Vitaly with the fried chicken at Imperial. It's awesome, but it's not really what he had in mind as a chef to be known for at any given point in time was fried chicken. Well, we were doing, and I, I, I'm sure that ours was nothing like Dougie's, and I'm sure his is, is superior, but I will say that a couple summers ago, we were doing fried chicken and then a little cute little watermelon salad, which I can't do anymore. Because I feel like he has he has eclipsed us and and owned that dish, and so and they really have it's and they have it's, it's awesome. So I, I and I get that, and I also understand that there's nothing new. But wait, you can't do it even though they own it. That's a, that's a pretty interesting perspective. I mean, that would that would mean that everybody gets one dish in town if everybody had that philosophy. They get there's one dish and that's it. And no one else can do it. So no, no more, I mean no everybody pork can do anywhere. Someone's going to be the pork shoulder. No, person. no, no. But I think something as specific as that, and you know, we don't. Let alone the fact that it's fried chicken and watermelon. I mean, come on now. That's a, there's something a little quotation marks about that kind of dish. Sorry, do you want to claim that you did it first? I I don't know. Yeah. I had it on our menu three years ago. Okay, that's all. That's and all we that's need to know. And I and I'm not going to put it back on. Because I bowed to Dougie's superior interpretation. That's that's uh, and that's commendable. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, we're known for that. We're we've got a butter lettuce salad that we've had forever and ever and ever. We have a macaroni and cheese. Those things are both uh, an albatross and a boon. Uh, and I think at a certain point, when you go to a restaurant that's been around as long as ours, there's a level of nostalgia and uh, a desire to have the experience that you remember. Which is what I always tell my cooks. I'm like, yeah, your endive dressing may be better than my endive dressing, but it's not mine. And people aren't coming for your endive dressing. No offense. You open your restaurant, kick my ass, go to town. But now people are going to have what they had the last time they were here. So make it that way. And there's a, there's a certain amount of stability to that. And so uh, what's it like working in the kitchen with you? you re- is, it, is it a... F- is it tough? Is it fun? Is it? A, are you teaching a lot? Are you? What was? What would some of your people say about working with you? I, I, they like me for the most part. I no, mean, we, I think we in need the, a call-in opportunity. In the here. heat of the moment, <laughs> I, uh, I can be yucky. You know, I'm demanding like any other chef. I think one of the things that I would like to take out of my repertoire is a certain amount of stinging, sarcasm and passive aggression, which does nobody any good. But uh, you know, I, so I can default to that when I'm when I'm re- when I'm in the weeds, or when I feel like a dish has been when a cook is is scrambling and doing the busy dance and spinning around. You know, I, I don't have a ton of tolerance for that because these are pros; they've done it before. You know, let's go, fellas. But doesn't sarcasm <laughs> sometimes help? As a parent, I learned that it's made me feel like I wasn't nagging all the time. Is it, there's a certain tone with sarc- sarcasm you can get in, get out. And you're not harping. You're right. You're right. And sometimes it works. Oftentimes it, it doesn't. It doesn't work with my son, who... Uh, How old is your son? He's 11. He likes to call me out on passive aggression, which he kind of understands. It's interesting when they get that age, that's when they start realizing who their father is. Yeah. And, and they start calling you out. Oh, and you know man. What? For years you could get away with doing anything and you're God. Yeah. Oops. In most cases, and then all of a sudden you're anything but. Oh uh, well, that that happened I think earlier for us because my son is such a good athlete, and uh, there was a, a a parent-child lacrosse game this year, and we managed to go face to face in one situation. He made a move around me, I fell to the ground. <laughs> he went to the goal and scored. So there was nothing really, 
you know, metaphorical or, oh, or yes, suggestive. It, it was just literal. It was like, yeah, sorry, crush you, Dad. <laughs> Suck it. <laughs> and and he's pretty young. This is not a no. You know, he's eleven. Kid. Yeah, I know. He's but eleven. To crush you at eleven. I no, don't... he's extraordinary. And my mom likes to say, "He didn't get that from you, ladder," which is also probably true. Uh, but working with me is, I'd like to think I'm pretty fun. Uh, I, it's very important for me to have my guys invested in what they're doing. And, and because of that and, and, and for that, I like to include people. I like to give them a lot of credit and praise. Uh, as I've gotten older, I value more the community and culture of my kitchen than I do the level of horses. I've had kitchens full of rock stars that don't get along. And I've had kitchens full of young people uh, who are learning to cook and who are enthusiastic about cooking. Uh, and these guys are working in concert and enjoying one another, and that, that to me is a pleasure. I really like that. It's a little bit akin to baseball teams when you have a bunch of free, expensive free agents on a team. doesn't necessarily lead to a World Series. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's like the Royals, right? Last year, That's right. Kansas City Royals, you put a bunch of young people together who just fit. Yeah. And you got someone in charge who knows how to deal with them and, and let them do their thing. Yeah, every once in a while we hit that sweet spot, and that's very pleasant. And I think uh, the older I've gotten, the um, the better I've gotten at putting people in position to hit that place. And so I don't take a lot of credit for running a consistent uh, and exceptional kitchen. I give that credit to to Joseph Hickey, who who's a dog. He's a he's just a tireless, tireless cook, and he demands consistency and. Uh, that's the kind of the, the dirty little word in food that people don't really like to talk about. They like to talk about verticals, this, and farm-raised, that. But it's like, do it a hundred times the same. And he's very good at enforcing that. I think in Portland, you, get a, you don't get a lot of consistency. I've been a lot of places where dishes are very different even the next night. When, yeah. I, when I've been so excited about something and I want to bring people back, you got to have that. And it's not the same. That is the worst. Yeah. That's the worst, especially when you, again, like I said, a taste memory. And then you you are defeated. You don't get it. You don't get that taste that you were expecting. And it, it's doubly frustrating. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Standard TV and Appliance. Standard TV and Appliance offers the largest selection, fast delivery, professional installation, and live kitchens where you can try before you buy. Oregon-based and family-owned, setting the standard since 1947. Standard TV and Appliance is your place for quality Gen Air appliances and more. Ristretto Roasters. With five locations throughout Portland, Ristretto Roasters offers some of the finest locally roasted coffee in the city with gorgeous environments and service with big smiles. Let Ristretto make your day better with a cup or two of great coffee or beans to go. Zupans, unsurpassed quality. From the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupans and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupans is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland. West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupans Markets. And by Portland Food Adventures. Imagine eating your way through Barcelona with Italo's Jose Chesa or Tuscany with Lardo and Grasa's Rick Gencarelli. Join right at the Fork host Chris Angelis with these great chefs in Europe this fall. Get more information under the blog tab at portlandfoodadventures.com where you can contact Chris directly. So speaking of taste memories, what are some of your earliest childhood taste memories and 
and and were you interested? I don't think you were in cooking as a kid. Was it a direction you saw yourself going? No, not at all. I um, I like you said, I grew up on the West Side and was very fortunate to travel a lot. My mom was a teaching physician and would say, you know, in in, in lieu of an honorarium, I'd like you to bring my son and husband. And so we got we went all over the world. And I was able to taste all kinds of crazy and unusual and wonderful and unique things. One of my most vivid text, or excuse me, food memories is uh, we were in Saudi Arabia and uh, we went to a wedding and the wedding was segregated. The men were on one half and we danced and partied and then they came in and set down these tablecloths with big giant platters of goat and uh, couscous and other things, and then you ate with your hands, you know, you did the whole thing. And um, and how and old were you then? I was 11. Okay. I was there 11, so go. I was where right you, there in that, your son is. right in that funny place where you're not an adult, so you could, you could sort of play with both uh, <laughs> men and women. And so then, but there was a ton of food, and I thought, well, what the hell, you know, what a waste. So then they, they wrapped it all up, and we went back to doing whatever, and then I found out later that they took that meal, greasy tablecloths and all, went over to the women's side and laid it down. So they got, you know, the sloppy seconds off of us. So that was the first thing which sort of opened my eyes. But there's no pork in Saudi Arabia. We flew from Saudi Arabia to Ireland on that same trip. And not only was I blown away by the, the, the sheer emerald quality as you, you came through the clouds, there was this sort of hanging moisture and mist. Uh, and then this, this green that, that was uh, unbelievable. And so we got our car and we were driving wherever we were going and we stopped at a roadside place and had bacon sandwiches, big, giant, thick bacon sandwiches. And having been, I mean, shit, it was two weeks in Saudi Arabia, so it's not like you're, you know, you're not like in crazy bacon withdrawal. But at the same time, it was, it was the place, it was the timing, it was the fact that we hadn't had it that made that bacon sandwich one of the most remarkable things I've ever had. So that's a big one for me. I remember one time my dad made me order a hamburger de cheval. And I think he thought it was the King's hamburger or something like that. It was actually a hamburger made of horse. And I can still remember that that really like barney, irony taste. Um, yeah, another, and the hor- horse is a little bit of an issue here. In well, it was in France. Yeah, yeah no. and I, whatever. I mean, I know that you're an animal guy, but, it, you know, eat it. For God's sakes, especially if it's going oh, to the glue factory. I, I eat a little bit of meat, even though. Oh, I know you I, do. But I do look at my dog, and th- and I do honestly think often, why am I? I should be a vegetarian in in my heart. No, uh, you know, yeah. dogs eat meat too, and yeah, I don't. No, I, the, the the thing that dogs have going for them is, I I'm sure they wouldn't be particularly good. I think they'd be tough and greasy. I think you'd oh, have to work food. hard thought, for okay, the meat. Me. You know, especially your dog and my dog are pretty lean. I, I wouldn't eat my dog. I would eat Kurt Huffman's dog. He has a bulldog. <laughs> that bulldog looks delicious. <laughs> uh, is that the first time you, I, when, when you've looked at Kurt's dog, have you actually thought, boy, that would be really well, delicious? Well, his dog, <laughs> it, it looks like a tide roast. Yes. Yeah, I, it, it does look delicious. And does, I know he feeds Kurt it well. Does Kurt you've thought of this, or uh, is this is this going to be news No, to I think this is news. I, I hope he does. <laughs> Good. Breaking, breaking, breaking news. news. Leather, Leather has one dog that he'd really like to eat. Oh, not just one. Oh. Okay. Uh, but, no, I mean, you know, uh, say, I'll tell you one thing. My, my dad was an excellent cook, and uh, I learned a lot about food from him. My parents loved to garden. I didn't like to garden, but there was a kind of a level of osmosis. Uh, made me comfortable with vegetables and made me sort of 
settled into seasonality. Uh, but my dad used to beat the shit out of salmon. He used to cook it like crazy. And then, for whatever reason, they decided that mayonnaise and dried dill was the perfect accompaniment to that. So it's both salmon and dill have uh, been on my yucky list for probably 25 years after. I came back around to both of them. Always loved mayonnaise. Um, but that's another very vivid, vivid taste memory. And shit, I can remember sitting in front of all kinds of plates of things that I didn't want to eat, you know, and battling that until the wee hours. Like, yeah, you're welcome to get up when you're done. We're going to take a break here and have a brief word from our sponsors at Whole Foods Market. I don't know if you guys know this, but Whole Foods has been supporting their community and their local businesses for, for eons, as long as they've been in business. And uh, we have a little clip here from Denise Braley, who's the local forager for Whole Foods Market, talking about one of her favorite finds, uh, Heidi Ho vegan cheese. And some of you might know Heidi Ho because she was on Shark Tank uh, about a year ago. And so Denise talks a little bit here in this clip about discovering her and what happened next. I found Heidi at, a, at the PSU Farmer's Market. She'd only been in business for a few months, and um, her products weren't on the shelf anywhere. And she is now not only in all of our stores in the Pacific Northwest region, but she's in many of the Whole Foods Market stores nationwide. You know, the race doesn't stop. Heidi being committed to working with us and, you know, getting her product in front of our customers and being in store doing demos and all those kinds of things. But, you know, one of the, well, we've actually given Heidi two loans. And the second loan she got was um, used to help build her new production facility, which is here in Portland, you know, near the airport. And so that new production facility allowed her to increase uh, production levels so that she could support having her product in many of our stores nationwide. So were you a fussy eater as a kid? No, I wasn't allowed to be. We ate what was in front of you, and you ate it. And so. you were an athlete too, right? So you, I was. You, yeah. had, you ate. You didn't. You weren't a. Skinny. I ate a lot, and we we also hosted a lot. You know, Kurt and our friend John Bachman, who's also in the restaurant business, and, and a couple other friends. They were at, at my house all the time. And, and uh, did so, you have any clue that you'd be? In the restaurant business, and then operating in different worlds, and now converging. No, with your I have no show? idea. I uh, actually went to Exeter uh, on the East Coast, Phillips Exeter Academy, for a, for a fifth uh, year of high school because I wanted to go. Why to, did you need the fifth? Um, <clears throat> well, I was young. I skipped second grade, so I was I was a year behind. I wanted to go to Yale. That was my goal, and uh, it was a neat experience. I was I was looking forward to it, and so when I was there, my hero was was Michael Milliken. And I, wa- I was very interested in being a money Right guy. in the eight, late 80s too, right? Yes, exactly. It was perfect. And uh, that was what I wanted to do. And then I didn't get into Yale. I got into some funny schools on the East Coast. In like retrospect, Because I have my stories on what I didn't get into. Oh, uh, I, did I got into. into the University of Chicago. And I got into <laughs> Vanderbilt, uh, Middlebury. I got into some great schools. And then I went to the- Middlebury New- would have been awesome. Yeah, and I could have played football there and whatever, but I didn't. And starred. You didn't- um, <laughs> And then I, I, I went to the University of Colorado, uh, which was a terrible school to go to because I was immature and all I wanted to do was play Nintendo and smoke bowls. God, not much has changed. But um, <laughs> uh, I just got you'll lost. Get back to that. I got you'll get, lost you'll get to at that, that day school. Again. I did meet my wife there. 
Oh, that's and good. after two years there, my folks are like, we're not going to pay for you to get C's. You know, you want to be mediocre, come home and get a blue collar job and see what you have to look forward to. And so I came home and I went to work at the Heathman Hotel. And I started out in the front of the house, which was a terrible idea. Uh, and I have this <laughs> remarkable experience. But life for you, it seems like it's made up of a lot of terrible uh, ideas that yeah. somehow worked out. Well, let's hope so. Yeah, there's, there's, there's growth in all things. But... Uh, I was doing tea service, that high tea service at uh, the Heathman, and this is the only time in my life that I've had an out-of-body experience. I was pouring hot water into an elderly woman's cup, and I truly sort of rose up above myself and was spectating as I continued to pour hot water into her cup, and I didn't stop, and it overflowed. It went into the saucer and overflowed the saucer and started to go onto her lap, and it was hot water, right? And so the person sitting next to her kind of finally grabbed my arm and, and whapped it so I could stop doing it and disturb my reverie. And I came back, you know, and obviously was apologetic. And at the end of tea service, the manager said, you know, maybe you should try the kitchen. And at that point, Greg Higgins was the chef there. And there were a lot of uh, exceptional people that were going to become stars in their own right here in the city of Portland. And for me... I suppose the initial excitement was that that sort of fraternal football teamy uh, united against a single foe kind of experience and feeling. Uh, and then I loved uh, I loved the manipulation of the food. I loved the sort of the immediate artistry. I loved the adrenaline. I loved the partying afterwards. I mean, it was a it was a it was a, it was an eye opener, and it, it fixed me. And then, uh, you know, strangely, and what year was this? This was um, ninety, I think, nineteen ninety. Oh, this is way back. Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe ninety one, ninety two. Uh, in any event, that that I was galvanized. I wanted to do that, and I went back to college. You and look I, good for your age, then. I'm doing the math. Forty four. Yeah, you forty four. Well, thank you. Great. Um, I, my hair piece. But anyway, uh, yeah, so that was that was it. I went back and I got my degree in romantic period verse, and I I knew that wasn't going to go anywhere. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a degree you can do. A <laughs> yeah, lot. so then I went to the culinary school, romantic period verse in New York, and, and that that was it. Uh, I was on the course. If I was going to do it again, I don't think I'd do it again. Uh, I like this business. It's a tough business. You could probably get the same return on a relatively stable uh, money fund. You know, if you had a nut and you just threw it in there, you get your 8% back every year and do a lot less toting of shit and mm -hmm. dealing with people. Um, I'm real happy where I am. I don't like, you know, sometimes I feel like a jerk for having a college degree and throwing bags of flour over my shoulder and going to work in Chuck Taylors and shorts. There are a lot of intelligent, educated people out there doing what, doing that. Just oh, that. oh, no, I'm not, I'm not saying, like, I want to be regarded for being smarter than a, than a cook because I agree. Not only are you correct, but there's a lot of cooks and chefs that are smarter than me. Uh, I just feel like maybe it would have been easier to get paid for, for what's in my ears, between my ears, just because sometimes I like to think that I have unique ideas. Uh, but that's a lot of woulda, coulda, shoulda, and everything that has happened to me up to this point has made me into a person that, that I, I like a fair amount. And that, that has not always been true. So uh, you are more at peace with yourself. When we had a conversation, definitely you had years where you're not happy with yourself. Yeah, for sure. And, and you are now. So, but so you are trying to find ways, maybe not uh, consciously, but you're falling into them. You have your radio show, and you're making millions with that. That's now, exactly right. right. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know that's 
what's between your ears and coming out of your mouth and at the same time. So you're enjoying that. How's that experience been? Uh, we like doing it. I, I feel like... Uh, uh, the Hotline, by the way. The Hotline the, is the name of our do, show. Yes, The Hotline. And it's on and when uh, can it be found? Saturday at 6 p.m. on KXL, although the, most people, especially restaurant people, listen to it on a podcast. See that how I said especially restaurant people? As though people actually listened. Um, <laughs> I think we have about 17 listeners that are regular. Are, uh, are Regular. Right. Yeah. Our sponsor I've is been in there. Alexis Foods and... Uh, our, our biggest fan is a guy uh, who works for Alexis named Ted Zeke. And so a little shout out to Ted. That's great. We yeah. have, we have I think, our biggest fan is in Alaska. Hey, there you go. We haven't started ranging outside of the state, but uh, uh, we could do the metrics. Well, we have a little bit, but uh, he's, he's awesome and he's always complimentary and great to have him. And he's donated to the show as well. Wow. Yeah. Sockeye salmon? Yes. A totem pole? <laughs> yeah, no. Well, uh, BBQ Sockeye is his is his uh, handle on Twitter. Oh, so nice. Speaking of, you, you went right there. So what have you learned in the radio business? What do you like about it and what don't you like about it? Uh, I think it's, it's sometimes it's difficult to, to uh, work work well with a co-host. I, my friend Kurt and I do it, and sometimes we're at odds, you know. Uh, that makes good radio, mm-hmm. which took me a little while to figure out. Uh, I hate to listen to my voice, and you might feel similarly but I've gotten used to it. I hated it in the beginning and I had to get over it. Yeah, I just got squawky and lispy and it's it, it manages to be high and low at the same time. <laughs> and uh that bothers me, you know. I mean that's that's vanity kind of stuff. It manages. I like the fact that it manages. Yeah, it just isn't. It, it isn't, right. It's its own thing. It's it's cultivating itself. But let's you talk know, here's about the thing. When I got to know you, I liked your voice a lot better than when I didn't know you. How's that? That's an int- it's the same thing with yourself. But when I got to know you, your voice was more pleasing to me than when I didn't know you. <laughs> you are in such good company. Uh, I can't tell you the number of people who have said, man, when I met you, I thought you were the biggest dick. And uh, no, I went the other way. I thought I liked you more when I met you. Well, no, no, no. I mean, initially. Oh, okay. Like Trevor Baird from Baird Family Orchards, uh, who I count as a close friend and who I like very much, said, Man, you are such an ass. <laughs> and then I realized that you weren't really an ass. But I would say that a lot of people know me superficially or, or on a quick uh, connect or understanding and feel that way. And that's okay. You know, I, my dad was that way unfiltered and opinionated and if there's one good thing about that it means that people feel strongly about you one way or another they don't just sit in the middle and think yeah and so i'll take that i'll take that um but shouldn't we talk about our dinner oh we can talk about that that we have planned it's not it's not done yet we're just we're just figuring it out we're noodling on a cannabis dinner right we are noodling and thanks for bringing that up um and we went to a grow operation that was very exciting. Seven Points, Oregon. Is that okay to say? I, I, they have a website and they have a sticker that they were given. That I, you I got that on your car. On my car. I so, like that. So uh, I just think they certainly don't have a problem with getting their name out there. I so. think you should put your policeman supporter sticker right under well, that or over that. That's one. the one that's supposed to prevent the tickets. But I go with the radar detector. Uh-huh. For that. I've seen that. Yeah, that that's uh, a little more important. But anyway, what a fascinating day we had. We can't, I probably shouldn't talk about where oh, it is. Oh, what a tease. that! Oh, you mean when we went there? No, yeah. well, let's not talk about where it is, but let's talk about how sophisticated it was. Yeah. And I love the idea of all these noodling stoners getting up off their couch and just <laughs> geeking 
on how to maximize yield. And the names are hilarious, you know, Grimace and Sunshine Date. What else did he have? <laughs> Coconut Spring or some kind of crappy thing. Yeah, I'd love to be the name. The, the namer. Gone <laughs> up to Washington, you know, and there there's some interesting names going on there. Skunk 47. Right. There's one. Why the 47? Got to find that out. Well, maybe the 57 is already trademarked by Heinz. <laughs> right. Um, I have to give you a funny story on that. My, uh, and this is maybe a little too much, but uh, my daughter's best friend uh, was hiking with her parents, and they walked through a bog of skunk cabbage, at which point <laughs> she turned to her folks and she goes, it smells like Charlotte's dad. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, for better or for worse, my cologne. <laughs> That's not what you want to be remembered My for. cologne apparently is hempy. And by the way, there's a big difference between skunk cabbage and skunk. Uh, you know, I grew up in the East Coast. We had a lot of skunk cabbage All in right. my backyard. Yeah. Uh, it didn't, it, it's not that bad. But it's it does certainly good. allude to the smell of marijuana and, and uh, out of the mouths of babes. Yes. And so, so, yeah, maybe you. you but have that's going to be terrific. You need to get. You need to have some kind of spray to get it off. To get yeah, a little. Nowadays you axe. don't. So, so that's my question. Are we at a point now where marijuana? I don't like to call it weed. To me, it's too much of a negative connotation. Okay. Marijuana. I always call it pot. Can be in the conversation the way wine is because it's legal now. Is it something you can bring up in a business situation? Obviously, you use your discretion. And who you're with, right? But is it going to be five or? Uh, I assume in five or ten years we'll be talking about different strains and and flavors and so forth the way we talk about wine and uh, enjoying it, which is, by the way, what we would like to do at our dinner. That's the that's the goal is to enjoy not just hey man we're gonna do this yeah, more brownies and yeah, Cheetos exactly. <laughs> it's to find ways, and that's why we haven't figured it out yet. Not only the legality, but uh, what we need to do there. But to find ways to enjoy it without, as you said, people melting into the sofa. All right. And we don't, you know, that's no fun. It's no fun to be too high, to be paranoid, to be uncomfortable, to be cotton mouth, to be asleep. Uh, I was talking to, are you ready for this? A bud tender. Mm-hmm. That's what they call them. <laughs> oh, anyway. That sounds like someone's name in the high school yearbook. <laughs> bud tender, bruh. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he was talking about the fact that most people, ingest way too much pot in a sitting and that our relationship to marijuana is colored by the fact that people just get super duper high and his idea. And I'm, I'm hoping to work with him as well on this meal. And he, he wraps up a shop called pharma, uh, which is a beautiful and, and very uh, comprehensive and very scientific uh, operation. Anyway, he said micro doses. And I think one of the things that we're going to try to do with our dinner is deliver marijuana in different ways the grower that we talked to talked about juicing the leaves wouldn't it be cool to have a cocktail mm-hmm. i mean you can eat marijuana without any ill effect marijuana is fat soluble or alcohol soluble so you have to do something to the pot or you have to burn it in order to get the um the high mm-hmm. so if we were to make a juice of of hemp leaves that wouldn't be anything other than interesting and some flavor you know and then maybe we've got a little vaporizer that fills up a balloon and we can get off Ferran Adria. Mm-hmm. So you eat something and then you uh, you get a little shot of purple Grinch face in your nose <laughs> as you're eating it. And there's a, there's a complimentary flavor and there's a nice little buzz without it being, you know, without you yeah, looking no, over just, and being like, that person across the table thinks I'm fat. 
<laughs> I get that anyway. I don't need to. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe it's in my system. Because you're always no. high? No, I'm not always high. <laughs> I do, for years, but not no, I'm not always high now. I'm glad about that. But I think that's cool. And we, will it be talked about like like alcohol? I don't think so because I think that it's it's uh, intoxicating effects are, are quite a bit more sedative and and a little bit more overarching. There are certainly tons of different flavors. Mm -hmm. But I think the way that people are going to be talking about marijuana is more in terms of its therapeutic effects because they're, they're starting to measure, and I don't even know what these acronyms stand for, but CBDs and TBAs and uh, you know PPAs well, or whatever else. All this, this is what we were talking about. For years, we just take what we could get. right? And now there's a discussion ex exactly what... What the effect is, what the aroma is, right. and what you want from it. So it's, it's really a cool world, I think. Oh and yeah. It's, for me, it's not at all about the party at all. It's, right. It's really the science of it, and uh, and I I find it fascinating. Well, so, I'm hoping we can do it. I, and we have a date set, which by the way is Veterans Day. We need to talk is about it? that. But that's it's eleven eleven. Right. November eleventh. We're putting the thing. Which is together. our address, by the way. Oh, it is. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's per that's perfect. Synergy, baby. So uh, I put it up, and then I took it down, put waiting it up. to price it out. Well, we need to figure some of the logistics Lots. out. Four twenty. It's four twenty, everybody. Right. That'll be. <laughs> it should be with a little donation to somebody. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> Except that I, that's going to limit the uh, audience. But at any rate, November eleventh, it'll be out there on Portland Food Adventures, and maybe on NobleRot.com. Is that the uh, no, I think we're at Noble Rod PDX. Some, Noble Rod some unscrupulous PDX. Brit got yeah, because someone else. Oh, I see. So one quick thing. Um, you said you don't get out a lot, um, but you probably have some a couple of favorites that you might tell others when they come to town because I'm sure you get asked that question. Where, <sighs> should, I, where should I go other than Noble Rod? Well, I don't want to, you know, be a chef stable whore, but I... Go ahead. If I were going to go out to dinner in Portland, uh, anywhere I would go to Ox. Not only do I think that their food is is unusual and and always delicious, but I, I happen to really like Greg and Gabby. Mm -hmm. I I think that it's a different situation when you work for them. They're young enough and under the microscope enough that they are probably more like the chef I used to be, uh, which makes for a difficult and and very hot environment. But their food is over the top. It's exquisite. Uh, I like the Imperial. I like Doug. I I love Scott. Scott Dolich is the first friend I ever had in Portland. I'd probably go to the Bent Brick. That's a good first friend to have. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, I knew Scott's wife, actually, peripherally, because she went to high school here, and we were the same age. Mm -hmm. So um, so that was, and I actually did a little name game thing when I first met her, and I, I said this woman's name that I knew, and, and, and Scott's wife turned bright red. And I found out that this woman that I knew had stolen her girl, her boyfriend. So, you know, that's the small town Portland kind of good stuff that you mm -hmm. get when you grew up here. So I'd go to Bent Brick. I like that. I mean, you know, you can't really touch Pog Pog. Their stuff's still good, but I don't like how they marshal you around. And, and you know, you feel like you're really getting kind of directed at that place. Um, I like... So that's not a place you would recommend? Well, I've, everybody recommends it. It's good. It's good food. It's, it's... The experience is a little too sardiney. For me, um, <laughs> what's the consummate Portland experience? If someone had one night, and you said Ox, that's one that I would give. I, you know, I like the Toro Bravo suggestion for a one night Portland yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah. Although you know who's and been Ned doing Lod, it, Jason does a good for that. But uh, Paley's would be my one because I think that the the service and and um, 
contribution that they've made to Portland food, uh, not alone, not only in terms of their food and its influences, but in terms of, of monsters that have come out of that kitchen. I would say that that, that, that there is a certain kind of origin story. And that's a pain. good reason for that, too. Because yeah. it, and, and you could you can't point to Wildwood anymore. No, nope. you know, that. you can't. Although but, Corey Schreiber is one of my neighbors. And how so he's not doing very well either. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how about some quick down and easy, down and dirty food? Do you go out for, with your kids to... We go to, we eat noodles. We go to Fahung. They like that. We go to the Powell Seafood Company, which is around the corner from our house. Um, they like to go to Prem and uh, Lardo, mostly because we eat a, for did free. Did you do a Chef Witch? I did a Chef Witch. I did the B-L-T-I-T. The B-L-T, and what was that? Well, I, I was going to suggest, before this is over... You need to redo that bacon sandwich that you had. Yeah, no, I right? uh, we've I've done way? it. We've done it at home. We've done it late night after bocce. But uh, my, my sandwich was a bacon, lettuce, and tomato on inner toast. And inner toast is my jam, where you put two pieces of bread in one side of the toaster, so you got two toasted sides that you put on the inside of the sandwich, which holds the spread together better and also prevents that dreaded uh, scratch that you get on the roof of your mouth. So that was my sandwich. Those are the places I like. Um, yeah, I should get out more. You're absolutely right. Well, that's all right. You're doing okay, and we're glad you got here. Thank you. And like, unlike your show, we're running a little over. Uh huh. So we have to we have to cut this at some point. Thank we, you for having me. I'm sorry for being late. Oh, that's perfectly fine. Had a good time, and glad you came. Right on. And we'll look forward to November 11th. That's right on. Be I, fun. I've already forgotten. <laughs> right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Intro music by Ariel Varinas. Find links to her music in the show notes section. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Yeah,